Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. I'm Jim Stengel, and this is Prosperity Through Purpose. In this series of the CMO Podcast, I am going to take a critical look at a category or marketplace and highlight a brand that is winning through purpose. On this episode of Prosperity Through Purpose, the brand we will spotlight is Target, the 118-year-old, $75 billion retailer that is surging on both purpose and revenue. I got to know Target when I was CMO at P&G, but then I got to know them even better when I featured their creative work with startups in my second book, Unleashing the Innovators. In a time of so many retailers facing fierce headwinds and bankruptcy, witness J. Crew, GNC, Neiman Marcus, and Brooks Brothers, Target is growing like crazy, and in this session, we will dig into why. My guests today are Samantha Avivi and Joa Santos. Samantha, or Sam as she likes to be called, has worked at P&G, where I met her, Kimberly Clark, ADT, and is now a growth consultant with the Jim Stengel Company. Sam, I want to bring you into this conversation with a really easy opening question. Are you a Target shopper? Oh, yes. More than my husband would seem to like. (laughs) So what is your favorite item to get at Target or your most frequent item? Oh, wow. Well, we're constantly getting bath tissue there. Unfortunately, we're getting clothes a lot there um, for my two daughters. And my son, he tends to get his sporting equipment there, too. So um, we are frequent shoppers at Target and um, for the entire family. All right, Joe, I'm going to bring you into this. Joe Santos is Lisbon-based, and that's Portugal, mind you, and has worked on the Dove brand at Unilever and has helped AB InBev with lots of brands. He's now the chief marketing officer at Barra, the predictive analytics brand tech platform. Joa, you're in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Are you a Target shopper? I was when I lived in the States. I lived right near the first Target that opened in Philadelphia, and it was right next to my gym, so I was constantly in Target. But unfortunately, there's none in Europe that I know of, or else I'd be there. So what did you buy when you were at Target, Joe? Fitness stuff? A lot of school stuff. Uh, it was between me leaving college and starting a business, so you know, a lot of supply type stuff. So, Joe, you worked at Unilever. Sam at P&G. So I think we kind of have to start there before we jump into Target. So do you two ever talk smack to each other, P&G, Unilever, you know, that sort of stuff? Any of that going on? Well, that's one of my most fun conversations to have with Joa, for sure. <laughs> Joa, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I, can, I consulted with, uh, with Unilever and early dog brand, but I'm a huge market uh, historian, let's call it. And I love what Procter & Gamble did. So I love getting insights from anyone who's ever worked at Procter & Gamble. And Sam has a lot. 
So I have to ask you, what laundry brand do you use, Sam? I'll start with you. This always is a telling question. So as a mother of three children, I am not only a loyal user to Tide, but it has to be Tide with bleach because you never know what type of grass stains, food stains are going to be on my children's clothes. So it has to be the best of the best. And Joa, you're probably not a Tide user. How about you? Uh, I think like most men, the brand affinity to laundry detergent isn't high. So it's whichever one calls my attention first. But there are, there are other categories that, I, you know, I do go for the brand. So we're here today to talk about purpose and purpose and business results. And we're going to talk Target. P&G and Unilever are huge leaders and pioneers in this space, and they have been for a long time. So can I get the two of you to maybe talk about what you admire about those two companies, any certain initiative or brand or effort that they've taken on recently that you think others can learn from? So Sam, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think that it's really relevant time to be talking about purpose across so many different companies. And particularly right now, as we think about Procter & Gamble, uh, Mark Pritchard has been very consistent with a message track that is resonating across the entire company, where he has put as an imperative that the company must be a force for good and a force for growth. And something that I love that he says is that a company that is a force for good without growth is just a philanthropy. And a company that is a force for growth without good is a mercenary. And so uh, across all of Procter & Gamble, they have an imperative to be both a force for good and a force for growth. And one of my favorite brands that is doing a tremendous job in that area is the Always brand. Uh, and their purpose, which is again, particularly relevant to me as a mother of two teenage girls, is to unleash girls and women's confidence. And one of my favorite campaigns is Like a Girl campaign and really empowering my daughters to bring out their personal best. So um, way to go, P&G, and uh, so proud to be an alumni of that company. Yeah, they're really stepping up. And Mark Pritchard, of course, for those who don't know, is the CMO at P&G. He came into the role after I left the company and I think has done a remarkable job in uh, – Setting, I think, the pace for business to rise up with all of the issues coming out of this multifaceted crisis. Joe, how about yourself? What do you admire from either of these pioneers? Yeah, I, I mean, Procter & Gamble and Unilever have switched market leader positions various times. And, but as, as of late, Procter & Gamble has been ahead for the last couple of years. Uh, and I think it, it speaks to exactly what Mark Pritchard's doing. And they just have a lot more brands that really have a strong purpose. One of them that I love, uh, I think it's probably one of the best examples is Ariel, which a lot of Americans might not be familiar with, but they did a campaign in India called Share the Load. And basically they showed fathers that they're teaching their daughter that they should do all the work around the house and that men should start sharing the load. Well, it actually created a national debate and increased by 42% the participation of men in sharing the work around the house. So. And I think that's a perfect example of what purpose is supposed to do. A lot of times we get it confused with charity work, but in reality, it's how do you help society move forward and, and better itself? And I think Ariel did a great job at that. All right. Well, 
We're here to talk Target today and, and what they're doing on purpose. And obviously, P&G and Unilevers are huge customers of Target. Uh, but I want to uh, start with you, Sam, on this. We're going to unpack what per Target is doing on purpose, and they're really surging. And Joe will give us background on that in a minute. But could you tell us, Sam, how they think about purpose at Target? How do they describe it? What do they say their purpose is? You know, what can we learn from how they, how they articulate it? Target is very open uh, and does not hide anything about their purpose. They've declared it. They declared it years ago, and they continue to live by it. Their purpose is to help all families discover the joy of everyday life. So there are a couple of key words in there that they really tend to expand upon with the acts that they do in market every single day. The first one is all families. So that includes ethnicities, different ethnicities, different ages, all different types of families. It includes the entire segment, all segments. The next one is in discovering joy. And one of the key words there is the discovery. And so they really look hard to put pockets of joy throughout the entire shopping experience, whether it's in the stores or online. And lastly is everyday life. So they're constantly holding themselves to a standard of how they get to consumers every single day. And clearly by my shopping habits and what Joa was when he lived in the States, they were very successful in getting to that every single day. The last thing I'll note that I think is really incredible is that their CEO has identified that it's not just enough for them to live their purpose internally with their operations. They hold themselves to a standard of improving the lives of people's communities and the planet through their purpose. And so they recognize it's all encompassing and a, a very incredible, important imperative. Joe, I want to turn to you and I want you in a moment to illuminate how we know Target is crushing it on purpose. But I think to make that uh, conversation relevant, I think you have to step back and tell us a bit about your platform, how it works. So we have that context. How do you know that a company is crushing it on purpose and is driving business results? So tell us a bit about your platform and then tell us why we know Target is crushing it on purpose. Yeah. You know, something that we actually share with what we, the way you guys think is marketing in the early part of last century focused a lot on functionality, right? Or if you're a service company experience, then we focused on emotion around the 50s and 40s, and then there was a shift. And we really haven't moved from there until the early 2000s when we started talking about purpose, which is really the social benefit or the shared values that, that society has. Um, so using that as a framework, we figured out really what is brand position, and it's an experiential score, a functional score, an emotional score, and a purpose score. But how do you get those scores? Well, we went through hundreds of different metrics, um, some that people brought to us, some that we knew about, some from other people's experience, and tried to actually see which ones have a causal link to a business impact. And there we went from you know, thousands to down to 13 for purpose, 42 for emotional, and, and so on. So we only use the numbers that we can actually prove have a business impact uh, for the business. And using those scores, we're able to see 
you know, give it a score and actually predict what will happen with the brand sometimes months in advance. And the input to your model is consumer-based, right? Yeah, we speak to thousands of consumers a, a day and figure out what brands matter to them. And then instead of ranking them just in category, we rank them across the whole brand because when one brand wins, a lot of seemingly unrelated brands actually lose. Um, and by ranking them, we're able to see how much a brand matters to people at any given point in time. So let's talk Target specifically. So how do we know uh, they're crushing it on purpose? Why are we featuring them on this Prosperity Through Purpose podcast? So tell us a bit about what we've learned about Target. Yeah, well, with total population, they're in the top 90 percentile. They're at 92. Uh, but there's some key attribute, which is really high when you look at the average around between the 50s and 80s. This is the so-called purpose score, right? And 100 would right. be perfect. Exactly. Uh, and the four attributes where they score really high in is it's inclusive, which means it's designed for everyone that has a personal connection. So it's, you know, it's um, relevant to my life. Humanitarian, so it addresses human needs. And an employer brand, which means it's a brand I'd like to go, I'd work, like to work for, I'd like my son to work for. Um, and those four attributes are really strong for them. So of the 13 things that drive purpose, these four really stand out for them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Sam, I want to talk about these four drivers, and I know you've been studying the brand over the last several weeks. So let's start with inclusiveness, where they have, I think, Joe, a near-perfect score. So they're about as good as it gets on inclusiveness with the general population. Sam, what are they doing to drive that? So when we look at Target's purpose about helping all families that really ties to the inclusive attribute that we measure and have proven to drive the business. So as a result of that and their purpose, they talk about how they could design their shopping experience for all types of people. Uh, so everything from Halloween costumes that are designed for um, adaptive needs, whether you're in a wheelchair or have disabilities, um, one of the things that I love is for Hispanic Heritage Month and Black History Month, they are specifically uh, putting and featuring minority-owned companies so that people can disproportionately buy those brands that they might not normally see. In addition, during uh, that period, they have end caps that ha are featuring brands owned by these minority owners. Something else that's really interesting going back to being inclusive is that they have tools within the store for people that are uh, have low vision or vision impaired. And so they will be able to help these shoppers be able to navigate through the stores. So, so many things that they think about everyone and be inclusive to drive how they are helping all families. So, Joa, this um, near-perfect score they have an inclusiveness, so it must mean the consumers really notice this at large. Are there any segments within inclusiveness where Target is really, really crushing it, or is it just generally across all segments of consumers? Yeah, that's what um, the pro problem, for example, that Target faces exactly that. They need resolution because it's really just about fine-tuning things for them and they score extremely high with hispanics it's 99 which you can barely you can't get much higher they're at 98 with millennials 
So it's really about finding those little niches that they need to improve with because they are really doing well. So it's a matter of keeping it up, never getting complacent on it. Yeah, exactly. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. Let's talk about some of the other attributes where they're really, really killing it. Um, this area of personal connection is one where they stand out. And that's kind of a big word, personal connection. So, Sam, in the context of marketing and branding and target, what does personal connection mean? Well, I think it's interesting in the context of Target, how they recognized their potential lack of personal connection years back when they saw that people were shifting to, at that time, untraditional approaches to purchasing. And so if they wanted to have all families discover the joys of shopping at Target, they needed to be everywhere that guests are and do it easily and fast. And so as a result of that, they, years ago, uh, decided that they needed to expand their offerings to be able to be uh, providing solutions today, tomorrow, two days, subscription, and they made a major investment. Uh, so before COVID even uh, hit the market, they were investing in in-store pickups where you order online, drive-up pickups, same-day delivery. Uh, it's it's interesting, Jim, you had talked about unleashing the innovators and the work that you had delved into with your book. Well, they had a partnership with Shipped, a startup company uh, that helped them with the same-day delivery. So by the time that the pandemic came, they were completely ready. And they ramped up so quickly because they had all the infrastructure ready to meet the needs of all the families and enable them to discover their joy through their purpose, um, no matter what their needs were uh, for shopping. So it was beyond insightful. And they used their purpose as a way to inspire them to be uh, having that personal connection. So it's kind of interesting that they've invested a lot in infrastructure to have a stronger personal connection with people in terms of how and when and why they want to shop. Joa, could you share anything about the business impact? Everything Samantha talked about cost a lot of money. So they've invested over the years to make this personal connection stronger. What do we know about the impact of this strong score on personal connection with their business results? Yeah, if there's, a, you know, during... During COVID, it's almost hard to find any anything positive that comes from it. But besides the reduction in in pollution, also the digital adaptation that people have had, and it really shows people leaned on brands that had high purpose scores, 
And their numbers really show. I mean, just to ramble some off some notes I have here. 24% growth in, in comparable sales, the highest the company ever had. Uh, digital sales growth, 195%. Um, curbside pickup for same-day delivery, 273% increase. Um, and the numbers go on and on and on. They're, they're crushing it. And, but we're seeing brands that have a high purpose are crushing it if they're in an industry that's you know, essential during this time. And those ones, their investment that they made in this infrastructure helps with the digital adaptation. So it was you know, right on time for exactly when we needed it. And of course, we're going to depend on those who can help us. So when we're out of toilet paper, you know, Target's a good place to go to at the same day, curbside pickup. Joe, when you were giving us the introduction up front, you said they excelled in three areas. And the third one is this humanitarian kind of halo or image they have with, with consumers. So what do we know about that? Is it more appealing to some people than others, this idea of them being humanitarian in their outlook? with their guests and with their colleagues? Yeah, we can see from uh, even other research that Gen Z, for example, cares a lot about, you know, what society's gonna look like or the environment, things of that nature. And at the same time, we can see that uh, humanitarians, for example, score 92 with general population, but then it scores a 98 with millennials. So the younger people get, the more humanitarian they want a brand to be, and Target's been able to deliver there as well. Sam, let me bring you to the conversation. If there's ever a time for a brand to be humanitarian, it's now. And people are really appreciating that, which we've already talked. What are they doing, especially with younger people, to drive home this uh, image or this part of their brand equity that is about being humanitarian? Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. When you look at purpose, there's many different ways to break it down. And one of the ways is what you must do and what you must not do. And what's really phenomenal about Target is they realized that they must be committed to safety and preparedness if they wanted to be about joys of everyday life. Because if you wanted people to feel that joy, they need to feel safe and prepared. Now, getting to the point of what they must not do, to feel safe and prepared they had a philosophy that they must not sell guns in their stores. And that is one of the things that their competition still does is sell guns in their stores. And so as a result, and this is a topic that is particularly appealing to many millennials who are really pushing towards gun control. And so that's just one of the examples of how guns are not allowed in their stores whether or not it's allowed in the local market, and they do not sell the guns. They also do other components where they have join-ups with local heroes and local helpers, with families. Uh, again, a lot of these millennials, 28 to 39, have young families. So they're really connecting the community, um, which is a great humanitarian effort. And they, they do a lot um, in natural disasters to build up communities, the local communities that they're in, uh, so that everyone feels safe and prepared to come back into their stores. Let's move to the final driver of their high purpose score, and that is that people see them as a great place to work, sort of a great employer brand, as we often say in our industry. And Sam, I want to keep you in the conversation here. What can we learn about 
that with Target? What does it mean to be a great employer brand? Why do they have that that image or reputation with people at large? Yeah. So Target realizes that their people are their brand. And so every single time you interact with anyone in their stores, on their line, on their online services, that's a representation of who they are. And they, again, going back to best practices, when they launched their purpose, they launched it first internally. And they made a commitment back in 2017 to uh, give the minimum wage, to raise the minimum wage to $15. Sorry. So sorry, that was my dog. (laughs) But in any case, (laughs) what I was saying was that in 2017, Target made a commitment to their employees to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And this was committed to be done by 2020, which is very interesting because that's exactly at the same time that the pandemic hit. And what's so incredible is they have stayed with that commitment. And just in July, they delivered on it. And they are now 25% higher than the industry average in what they are giving people at minimum wage. But they're not stopping there. They are giving bonuses to their employees, recognizing all of the hardship that it has come working through a pandemic. They gave a bonus just recently, and they're doing another bonus around Christmas time, which is really unheard of in the middle of a recession. So great compensation uh, and recognition of people's hard work. And then another amazing thing that they've been doing is through this pandemic, they've been giving free virtual doctor's visits to their employees, not only if you have the target healthcare, but even if you don't have the target healthcare, because they are prioritizing their people first and being a true employer brand. Uh, I'm sure that we all are feeling the happiness or sadness of them closing on Thanksgiving uh, and stretching out all their holiday savings so that they could really prioritize the health of their employees and the health of their shoppers. So, so much that they're doing to be an amazing employee brand. Yeah, it's, it's well said, Sam. Let me just summarize what we've been talking about to date. I mean, Target from everything Joa and Sam you're sharing with us seems like about the perfect brand, right? They have a high purpose score. They're driving this particularly high with their inclusivity, their personal connection with guests, their humanitarian mindset, and the strong employer brand. So, Joe, I just want to ask you, do they remind you of any brand that comes to mind? In a lot of ways, some, some of the brands I've seen, they're, they're, with millennials, they're scoring like Amazon, which is, you wouldn't expect, at least I didn't expect it when I looked at the numbers. You know, and they do innovate with a purpose and and some of the other attributes where they outscore Amazon. But I was actually kind of surprised when I looked. Yeah. Sam, they sound almost perfect. Do they ever make mistakes? Yeah. Well, we all make mistakes. And uh, it says a lot for any brand that uh, is willing to recognize mistakes that they make. One of the things that they had recently done is talk about a very core component of their growth strategy, which is to be where all their shoppers are. 
And that included going to small box retail outlets, uh, including New York City. I've lived in New York City. I dreamed about having a Target in New York City. So it was a huge deal when they were able to put a Target in New York City. What they did was they put it at the site of a very famous nightclub. And they were trying to um, really celebrate the history of that location because this location had so many amazing artists that came, the B-52s, the Beastie Boys. And so they recreated their store experience to bring to life this historic club. Well, with all the best intentions, it unfortunately unleashed into a PR crisis because the locals felt that they were taking advantage of the equity and the richness that was not necessarily Target's to own. What's amazing about Target is that they quickly recognized that this was not the best approach to launching this small store concept. And they worked with city officials in New York to do something that better fit with the local market appropriately. So they recognized that to be truly inclusive and a humanitarian purpose-driven brand that they needed to work with the local market. So mistake made, but really an amazing course correction and uh, humility of the brand of recognizing that they needed to redirect. Yeah, and I think the story is even more impressive because, you know, years ago, they had their issues, right? They had the security breach, credit cards being stolen. And so they had a lot of stuff they had to work through, uh, and, and which led them to work with a lot of the startups, led them to invest in infrastructure. So it's really been an incredible story of being honest with yourselves and, and investing where it counts and being ever focused on colleagues, employees, and guests. So a really, really great story. Joe, I just want you have this great lens into the world through your Barra platform. Where else would you recommend Target look at to further improve on these already very, very high scores? Yeah, I can see, I can see a little bit of a shift where they're trying to start to attract other demographics, which is one of the ways they could win. But because I have so much resolution into what's happening, there is one specific area where I think they would grow faster, which is they have double the number of what we call winbacks, right? So loyalty and switchers, which are people who buy from other brands as well, uh, are practically equal with Walmart and with Amazon, but they have almost triple the number of winbacks. There are people who haven't gone, gone to Target in a year. If their messaging was focusing on attracting people to come back and, and try Target again, I think that will grow faster than trying to go to the little niche uh, of, you know, gaining a couple points with a very specific demographic because it's really hard to grow that anymore. There's not a whole lot of headroom, but with winbacks, there are, right? So it's really about the, it's more refining the message than trying to get to other targets. I think that's where the big opportunity lies for them. Got it. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. 
To learn more about Deloitte CMO program and how we can help today's CMO succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. So I'm going to give each one of you the final word. If you have one takeaway for our listeners today about something in this target story that they could apply to their business, what would your single takeaway learning be for our listeners? So Sam, I'm going to start with you and then Joa. Yeah, so Target has so many rich stories that marketers, operational managers, uh, human resources, so many of us can learn from. But one of the things that cuts across all of it is leadership's recognition, how purpose cuts across all different facets of business, and you need to cascade it out throughout every component. Uh, And if you make a mistake, which you do, and we all do, then you course correct. I was looking through and uh, doing all this research, and I found an amazing quote from their CEO. And he said, every decision we make is guided by our guests and our purpose, which is helping every family we serve find joy in life's everyday moments. As a result, Target has emerged as one of the clear leaders in the industry, helping to shape the future of retail because of the ongoing success of those investments. And I think that really captures the commitment that they've made to purpose, the investment that they've made to cascade it throughout the entire business, and they've seen great success as a result. So strong leadership and purpose is everyone's job. Yeah, well done. Joa, how about you? What's your single piece of advice from this story? Yeah, I think they're a good example of a phrase that I say all the time, which, which is, uh, marketing used to focus on how to best market, but today we need to focus on how to best matter. Right? And what Target does really well is it uses the five P's. It matters through its product by creating better design. It matters through the people, the service they have, the places, how they just design uh, curbside pickup when we most needed it uh, through their promotion. So they, they're figuring out how to matter more to people and you do that through purpose, you do that through emotion and your brand positioning, but they're a really good example on multiple fronts how they've learned to matter more to their, their, their customer base. And I think that is what marketing is today. It's about marketing. It's about mattering, not marketing. That's a wonderful last word, Joa. I want to thank you and Sam for this uh, really, really useful and illuminating and inspiring conversation. And, and I wish you a happy holiday. And, and I hope Target has a happy holiday. From, the, from this discussion and these numbers, I am sure they will. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, thank you, Jim. That was my conversation with Joe and Sam. My big takeaway for this, for anyone listening, working in any kind of organization, is how Target thinks way above being a store or a retailer. They think about the impact they're going to have on people's lives. They think about their purpose. They think about every employee engaging in their purpose. And the areas that they're really excelling in, this humanitarian mindset, this being a great employer brand, being a, uh, having a strong personal connection, these are incredible and they go well beyond the functional benefit they bring to people of buying a lot of stuff. Target's a great example of a brand who's leading with purpose and whose leaders embrace it and feel that that is their role, is to bring the purpose to life with their guests and with all employees. That is going to do it for this episode. To learn more about Barra Group, visit their website, barra.ai. If you like this episode, 
please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and please tell a friend. Prosperity Through Purpose and the CMO Podcast are a Gallery Media Group original production.